welcome to Your Daily Drive, the podcast that I do to put my article content in audio format so that you can listen on the run. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for Your Daily Drive. Today, I want to talk about how to counsel non-Christians, how to bring God's Word to bear on people who reject God. Did you know that God's Word is perfect for helping non-Christians? Now, learning how to use it to serve unbelievers is critical in your evangelistic efforts. I'm going to give you a few ideas to assist you in bringing God's Word to bear on those who do not know our Lord. The title of the podcast is How to Counsel Non-Christians with God's Word, and you can go to our website, rickthomas.net, type in some version of that title, it'll pop up for you, and then you can read it. You can share it. You can get together with one or two of your friends, and you can talk about it at the coffee shop or in a living room or wherever you like to chat. That would be fantastic. Every now and then, somebody will ask, is it okay to share one of your articles? I appreciate the question. It's it's a sign of humility. They don't want to do anything wrong. They're not familiar necessarily with technology, and they're just uncertain, and so they ask, and that is always a good policy. If you don't know, just ask. But the answer is you can share our content with anyone I typically say it this way. I want you to share our resources with 1,000 of your closest friends because this is how it works. If you share it with someone, perhaps God will help that individual. And we produce a lot of content every week, every week for the past, well, well over 10 years now. We've been producing resources in written digital ebooks, podcasts, videos, graphics, all kinds of information in various formats to help people to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I wanted to do this podcast, well, is to help Christians, uh, but my goal here is really evangelistic. I want to share some things with you that would encourage you and motivate you to be more effective in penetrating the culture for Christ and bringing God's Word to bear. Now, if you have a question about this podcast or anything else for that matter, you're welcome to jump on our website and you can and uh, you can ask that question. We have a free community forum. Get your username and password. That's the only way that you can access it. And once you have that set up, or if you already have it set up, just plug it in and you can get on our community forum. If you happen to be a supporter of this ministry, may your kind increase. Well, you get on the private side of the forum and you can ask your question there and that would be fantastic. Let me get into this again, the title, How to Counsel Non-Christians with God's Word. Now, this is important because I've, I've heard it said that you can't counsel people with God's Word and I just disagree. You can Let's talk about it. I interact with Christians regularly. Many of these unbelievers, many of them know either at the beginning or soon thereafter that I am a Christian. Sometimes an unbeliever will even come to me in counseling. Now, here's the deal. When you are counseling a non-Christian, it is a different kind of counseling context, and it requires a different way of thinking, and it requires a different approach. 
because they are unbelievers. There are some characteristics about unbelievers that you must know if you're going to be able to customize your counseling soul care to them. Let me give you several illustrations about the characteristics of an unbeliever that that makes it a different context. And it must motivate you to have a different way of thinking and a different approach when you come alongside the person who doesn't follow Christ. First of all, the unbeliever doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 2.14. The unbeliever may perceive spiritual stuff as dumb. That's 1 Corinthians 1.18. The unbeliever could be easily offended by Christianity. That's 1 Corinthians 1.23. The unbeliever is not enabled, not empowered, not illuminate, not illuminated by the Spirit of God. That's John 16, 12 through 15. The unbeliever has no context or ability to experience sustainable change by God's word, John 17, 17. The unbeliever is living under the Father's wrath. Now, that makes it imperative for you and me to get out there and to tell them about Jesus. That's John 3, 36. And then finally, the unbeliever could be a mocker of the word of God. That's 2 Peter 3. Three and four. These are just some of the characteristics. If you want to read this list at a slower pace, again, go to the website, rickthomas.net. Look for the title, How to Counsel Non-Christians with God's Word. And you can get all of these scriptures. I have several more throughout this article. And you can get these bullet points that I just shared with you. And I'm sure that you could add several more Bible verses to the list that I just gave you, uh, it's about the difficulty in bringing God's word to bear on an unbeliever. Nevertheless, let's say the unbeliever is coming to you, a Christian. You are a Christian, let's assume. And that unbeliever is looking for help to overcome or at least work through his problems. Now, you know that ultimately you'll probably not be able to overcome whatever his problem is. But he's coming to you and he's looking for help. He wants to work through this. Now, the first question that you must ask is, can I counsel a non-believer? Now, if you mean by that question, can you bring God's word to bear on his life? Well, that's an easy question to answer. Of course you can. Absolutely. In the affirmative, in the affirmative, you can bring God's word to bear. You can, you can communicate God's word. You can share God's word with any person, regardless of their affiliation, whether they're affiliated to Christ or the devil or whomever they may be affiliated with. We all were unbelievers at one time, and God's word was brought to bear on our lives. In fact, that's what Romans ten seventeen teaches so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's the word of God coming to an unbeliever. And then in that moment, God regenerates us. But the word of God was brought to an unbeliever. We should be full of God's confidence when we approach unbelievers with God's word. The better question is, how can I use God's word when helping an unbeliever? What are you to do? 
How are you to approach this opportunity? Well, I have pondered these questions, and as I have done that, I've come up with a few ideas that will help you bring the unbeliever to Jesus where real help can indeed take place. Now, while evangelism would be the main point and purpose of these opportunities, and that goes without saying, that is obvious because they're rejecting the gospel and they need to get saved. And ultimately, if they want long-term sustainable transformation, they must be born above, born from above, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3. But still yet, I would like to work with the individual with the hope that God would regenerate him. Now, part of my goal would be for him to see, to know, and even experience what Jesus Christ is like through the wisdom of his word. You see, God's word has a lot of wisdom. And when you begin to share it, the unbeliever, many of them have no idea what the Bible teaches. And when you begin to unfold the Bible that way in a practical way for a lot of people, it it piques their curiosity. They tune into that. You mean, really, God's Word says that? Well, let me share you share with you a few things to consider as you open up God's Word to someone. The first thing is, is make it easy. You'll notice how my website, for example, does not have Christian things on it like crosses or fishes. Now, I'm not against anybody who puts crosses and fishes on their website. I just don't do it. Now, it wouldn't take a reader long to figure out my passion for God, but I have deliberately chosen not to place potential hindrances in front of anyone before they get to know me. When they get on the porch and they see all my Jesus stuff hanging all over the porch like wind chimes, well, they might not have a desire to come in, but I want them to come in and I want them to experience us and begin to build a relationship with us. If they're going to stumble, if they're going to get mad, if they're going to be offended, I want Christ to be the offense. As they read our applications of God's word throughout our content, I don't want to offend them or turn them away before they ever get through the door. Too often, Christians parade their Christian style before the unbeliever in such a way that it confuses them or even turn them away too soon. Now, I realize it's unavoidable at times, and I would not suggest deception to make it easy for an unbeliever to hear the gospel. I'm not saying that at all. But there are other times where a softer appeal is a wiser approach. I've shared this story before, but it's relevant here. I had a gay guy come to our website, and, and he came in, and he read our some of our content, and he uh, learned my perspective on the gay lifestyle, that it, it is a sin. We're quite clear on that. But he wrote me, and he said that I feel like I can talk to you, that you're not going to hit me over a head with a club, that, that we can engage in conversation, even though he knew. He said, I know how you or what you think about my lifestyle. And that is exactly, he is a perfect illustration of why we present our ministry the way that we do. 
Experiencing Jesus through your wisdom is more persuasive than your bracelet. Everything we do does not have to be in your face. Christ, for example, looked more like the unbelievers in his community that he was engaging. In fact, they had a hard time picking him out when they came to kill him that dark night in Gethsemane. His primary approach was for them to get to know him. He actually warned against other religious folks of his day who looked religious and felt it necessary to wear their religion on their sleeves. You can read all about that in Matthew 6, the first 18 verses. I want my unbelieving friends to see Christ in me as displayed by the fruit of the Spirit more than my religious garb or social out-of-touch ways. As much as possible, I don't want my religious customs to be a stumbling block to those who do not believe. And this is why I say under this heading, make it easy. Don't compromise. Don't be deceptive. And I'm not suggesting that you soft-pedal the gospel, but a call for wisdom and discernment in how you present the power of God to unbelievers is vital. And so point number one, make it easy. Point number two, try behavioral modification. The unbeliever cannot live godly because God is not with him. You remember those points that I read earlier? All of them, to one degree or another, says that he will not have long-term transformative change. It is practically and theologically impossible for him to put off his old self, which belongs to his former manner of life. I'm, I'm basically paraphrasing Ephesians 4 here which belongs to his former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And it's virtually impossible for him to be renewed in the spirit of his mind and to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let me restate that. I said it's virtually impossible, but actually it is literally impossible for him to model what Paul taught in Ephesians 4, 22, 23, and 24. He is not a believer and therefore cannot be permanently changed. As every Christian knows, the real counselor is the Holy Spirit of God. Real life change is not possible for someone who who rejects, grieves, quenches the Lord from his life. But you can offer him hope through the wisdom of God's word. And it is possible for him to apply some truths that could change his life in a limited sense. If an individual can apply tips from Dale Carnegie or tips from Stephen Covey, these are two renowned self, uh, self-help gurus, and if they can apply tips from these two guys and many others to his life, there is no reason why he could not implement ideas from God's word to his life. The irony about popularized business and self-help books is that if there are good things in them, those things are paraphrases or derivations of God's Word. My second favorite genre of books to read outside of Bible things are business entrepreneurial books. I've been reading business entrepreneurial books for more than 30 years now, And the things that really sell and the things that really work, I've come to learn after I became a Christian that they're taught in the Bible.
We're talking about useful tips for behavioral changes. The Bible is amazingly practical and full of wisdom. My hope would be for him to find encouragement from the wisdom found in God's Word. The Bible is the only authentic psychology book known to humanity, and it speaks directly to our universal core problems. And though he may reject God, he can still be affected by his Word. Nothing is neutral, and the Word of God most certainly is not neutral. My purpose for behavioral modification would be to stir up interest in God with the hope that God would draw him to himself in regeneration. Jesus said it this way in John 12, when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself. And that would be my purpose, to open up God's Word and share the practical wisdom from God's Word that can help him in some small way hoping ultimately that Christ would be lifted up. The essence of evangelism and discipleship is to stir up interest in God. What I am speaking of here is how to do it in a context where the unbeliever comes to you with an interest in transformation. This perspective is not a call for easy believism. I'm not saying that at all. And while he may be temporarily benefiting from God's word behaviorally, I would simultaneously be introducing him to Christ with the hope of his regeneration. My, uh, the title of the podcast is How to Counsel Non-Christians with God's Word. My first point was make it easy. My second point was try behavioral modification. My third point is start where they are. When Paul was talking to the unbelievers on Mars Hill, he spoke to them in part from their perspective and their context. For example, he quoted their poets in Acts 17, 28. In him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. Paul is talking to the people on Mars Hill. While Paul did not compromise his message of Christ, and we shouldn't compromise ours, he was wise enough to know that he needed to connect with them according to where they were rather than where he wanted them to be. Now, this truth applies to any person that you're discipling, whether they have faith in God or not. This is one of the things that I teach my mastermind students is that when a counselee, let's say a Christian counselee, comes to you, don't make all these assumptions that they are where you are. No, you must discern where they really are, where they truly are, and you must go to them and bring them to Christ. I suspect if you tried to help people, you have probably counseled unbelievers who you thought were believers, or maybe they thought they were believers. Sometimes biblical counselors make too much about counseling believers versus non-believers as though they can know the authentic condition of their souls. This is a silly argument, and it's a silly conversation. Your job is to counsel the word regardless, while trusting the Spirit to work in the heart of the individual. Let me give you a few ironic scenarios. I have counseled so-called believers as Christians when they were unbelievers. I have counseled perceived unbelievers as Christians when they were believers 
I have counseled unbelievers who became believers. I've counseled believers who became unbelievers, only later became believers. You really don't know who you are counseling when you're counseling someone. And so to say that you are counseling a, or you can't counsel a non-Christian or an unbeliever is really, it's a silly argument and it's immature. It's unwise, and it's not necessary to overthink about the condition of a person's soul. Your job is to share the word, lean into the spirit, and don't split unnecessary hairs. Being a believer or an unbeliever does not hinder God's word from changing someone. The issue for us is not so much about God's word and its effectiveness, but how we can relate God's Word to real people who need practical answers. That's the real issue going on here. Can we relate to people? Do we have enough discernment to know how to speak to people according to where they really are? This is not a lack or an ineffectiveness of God's Word. It really speaks more to our ineffectiveness and our lack of discernment, our lack of wisdom. The essence of the gospel is about going to where people are and introducing them to Christ through the means that they can understand with the hope that God will draw them to himself. Christ came to where we were and became like us before he began transforming us into his likeness. You see this relational relatability of the living logos in many of his encounters with the people of his day. When he met with the woman at the well in John 4, 16, he related to her where she was rather than seeking to get her to understand him and his message before he could make any headway with her. I want to give you the anti-illustration of what I'm talking about here. This is has to be in my top 10 list of most embarrassing moments as a believer. Not only do I not want you to do this at home, I don't want you to do this anywhere. A long time ago, in a distant faraway land, I was part of a conservative religious movement called Fundamentalist. No doubt we were serious about the Lord. I have never questioned their passion and zeal for God. But sadly, I did, not, I did not know the things that I'm talking about here. I took a separatist position when it came to the people in our culture. It was the equivalent of, of standing on the other side of a fence and yelling at them to motivate them to come over to our team. I'll never forget one particular weekend when there was a country music festival at our local fairgrounds here in Greenville, South Carolina in the United States. It was your typical 90-degree July day in the humid South. The show was a big draw, and it seemed like an excellent idea to go and evangelize the pagans, and that's what I did. I love evangelistic work. And so how did I do it? I put on my best Sunday suit, which included a necktie and a long sleeve starch shirt. I put on my fedora. That's a... Uh, a hat right out of the 1940s. Think of Elliot Ness. I put on my fedora for real. This is a true story, by the way. I grabbed my brand new Radio Shack battery operated bullhorn. And by the way, I still own that bullhorn and it works fine. 
And then I grab my stack of Bible tracks. With my Bible tracks in one hand and the bullhorn in the other, I began yelling, letting all the pagans know if they did not turn to Christ, they would go to hell. And while my message was straight as an arrow, my method was socially awkward and, quite honestly, it was off-putting. I have reflected on that day many times, and I wondered how I was perceived. I don't think about it from a fear of man or what do they think of me perspective. That's not what I'm talking about. But I think about it through the lens of Christian immaturity. I imagine they thought that if they did what I was saying for them to do, what I was yelling for them to do, become a Christian, that they would become like me. Oh, Okay, well, he wants me to be like him, to be a Christian. That means I have to get a fedora and and go out with a bullhorn and pass out Bible tracts. On that day in that crowd, I was a Christian representative who was modeling what they could be only if they would turn to Christ. Well, guess what? (laughs) They rejected my offer. There were about 10,000 tattoo-wearing, beer-toting, rolled-up sleeve, long-hair, country-music-loving fans who had the choice of listening to country music's finest or put on their long sleeve start shirts with a necktie and fedora and begin yelling at each other regarding their eternal destiny. If I had it to do over again, I would have modeled a clearer picture of the Savior rather than a strict set of sect of Christianity that, was most, that had mostly lost its relevance. Christ mingled with the unbelievers, he ate with them, he related to them, and he shared himself with them. There are times, primarily when evangelizing, when it is helpful to be able to understand and relate to your audience while hoping to win them to Christ. I did not discern my audience, and I did not connect with them at all. Now, I know somebody will write me and say, well, how do you know? Maybe somebody came to Christ. Well, maybe somebody did, but that's definitely an argument from silence. I'm not aware of it. They did not understand me and most definitely could not relate to me. I was a sideshow carnival act for them to mock. Of course, I received their mocking and crude gestures as being persecuted for Christ. Since then, God has mercifully shown me how to roll up my sleeves and sit with sinners, similar to what the Savior did, and show them the wisdom of God's Word as I've been communicating in this podcast. Unbelievers may not have the Spirit, but God made them in His image, and they do have a conscience that can respond to the power of God's Word. It is possible for them to resonate with the truth when they hear it in common sense ways. There have been many times where God used behavioristic applications as a lead in to draw a person to Christ. I have done that many times. My appeal to you would be to unleash God's word in relational context that relate to where the person is so you can bring them where they need to be. Let me ask you a few questions and we'll wrap up this podcast. Number one, do you love God rejectors enough to go and reach them, especially those who sin in ways that are abhorrent to you? Number two, 
Do you know how to apply God's word to unbelievers practically? Now, if you don't know how to do that, I would appeal to you to listen to this podcast again. Get the article and read it. Read it slowly and have a discussion. This would be the first thing that I would ask you to do if you don't know how to apply God's Word to an unbeliever practically. Again, the title of the podcast, How to Counsel Non-Christians with God's Word. Number three, do you hide behind your Christianity as a means to keep from mingling with sinners? Now, if you do this, may, may God move you to a place of repentance that will be evidenced by humility, maturity, and courage. And if you are if you do do this, what are you what are you afraid of happening here? Why do you do that? And then finally, number 4, does your form of Christianity discourage you from penetrating the culture, meaning your larger community that you participate in discourages you from penetrating the culture? Do you prefer the relationally detached method of leaving tracks exclusively, hoping God will use that to bring sinners to you at your church meeting so you don't have to connect with and befriend them? I'm not saying Bible tracks are wrong at all, but if that's the only mode that you have, then why do you do that? Why aren't you mingling with sinners? There's a lot here. If you want to talk, go to our website. It's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.